But so the Soviet sort of third of this book draws to a close, and we get to the the short middle third, which is war is declared. We're now we're now at nineteen thirty nine, and Britain has unfortunately been embroiled. And what he wants to do is adventure. He wants to he wants to go and be an army officer, which is of course very familiar. Well, he's basically he basically uh, just sort of um, not not sort of jumping forward a little bit, but what we're mm. what we're about to see is. A man who receives a medal from every single one of the allies, including the ones that didn't like each other. Yes, yeah. Because he's about to establish himself as sort of like quite an astute political operator. But so, first of all, he has to get out of the foreign office because that's a reserved occupation and they won't just let you leave. You are, you're needed to do diplomacy. And he, he wants to get in gunfights and do sort of like guerrilla warfare and stuff. So what he ultimately has to do, he he resigns and joins the army, and they find him and like threaten to bring him back if he doesn't like if he doesn't quit. So he ultimately has to like improvise a way out of this, which is by running to be an MP and winning. <laughs> and he sort of he runs as a conservative MP in Lancaster, and he tells them, "Yeah, no, I'm going to be a, I'm I'm in the army. There's there's a war. I'm not going to be around much." <laughs> um, you, vote for, this, you, you vote for me. Just pair one of the other ones. Yeah, you, you just to, to you know fucking put a put a cross in the box, and this works. And because he's now an MP, he can't stay in the Foreign Office, and they have to fire him, which le- like allows him to stay in the military. <laughs> and it's it's like such an interesting bureaucratic dodge. It also badly pisses off Winston Churchill, by the way. <laughs> when he first, when Churchill first meets him, he says, oh, "This is this is the man who used the Mother of Parliaments as a public convenience." And uh, Maclean writes that up as he's saying it jocularly, but I, I think perhaps not. Um, <laughs> and so he he ends up in in North Africa in the Western Desert, and very quickly ends up in the SAS, the sort of nascent David Sterling's sort of you know weirdo outfit that's expected to get killed very quickly. Where he sort of proves his usefulness on the basis that you know he has a facility for languages, he has a facility for improvisation, and he has a facility for lying. And so there's this one raid that they go on to Benghazi. Mm-hmm. Ain't going away. Yeah, exactly. As a as a ruse of war, they disguise themselves as Italian officers, and he offers some advice here. On such occasions, it's one's manner that counts. If you can behave naturally and avoid any appearance of furtiveness, it is worth any number of elaborate disguises and faked documents. And so, this this goes wrong, of course. He ends up at bayonet point. <laughs> okay, so he's so he basically uh, says, "Watch this drive." And then... <laughs> yeah, yeah. The 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 Italians are alerted. He ends up at bayonet point by an Ethiopian sentry, which is where he deploys the first. Hard R of the book, if you were curious, because he's a piece of shit. But he manages to get out of it by sort of this peculiar thing that, like, only some people have access to. Like, there's, I, I'm not sure how it works. Some sort of like plot armor that descends on you, but you just double down more, right? And so the way he tells it is, he's being held at bayonet point, and he enhances his Italian officer act, and he starts yelling about like uniform regulations. And this works, and he's able to sort of like sweep things up in his favor to where he can just walk out. Now, here's my other question for you, right? The hmm. other way that you would get out of something like that, potentially, if you're a sort of very wealthy man, is by, say, I don't know, bribing the guy, right? Sure. How truthful 
do you believe Fitzroy McLean is being? Because in these sort of quite grand and entertaining tales of his own sort of, you might say, British upper class jamminess. Mm. What, what, I, I, don't, not, I, I know we, we can't know. What's your sense of it? I, I'm sort of, I'm tempted to believe him purely on the basis that this is a skill that he's been able to sort of like reinforce from more or less from birth. I, I think if you just sort of have this preternatural ability to seem sort of like unruffled, we see this with, with politicians, with any number of people all the time. So long as you can be confidently wrong, you can like get very far with it. Ultimately, there's still a point where the road runs out. But I, I think I, I'm, I'm willing to give him the benefit of the doubt on this one. I wonder if we could say he was the beneficiary of a quite high ability at doing this thing, as yes. well as quite a bit of road ahead of the system that he represented. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. But the good news is that he almost dies. He's sort of like forced back south across the desert and very nearly dies of dehydration and starvation and, you know, things of this nature. And by this point, the war in the Western Desert, to which he has been an almost complete irrelevance, the SAS aside, is sort of winding down. And he starts looking for his next thing because he gets bored. This is a man with sort of very undiagnosed ADHD, I feel like. <laughs> so they send him to Persia, where he is sort of... He displays some political ability because he's able to keep... It's returning as well, by the way, to much more uh, of how he started, of being sort of a, a, a semi-freebooting member of the British upper classes, kind of swanning about, sort of back to swanning about Central Asia, sort of kind of in the furtherance of the goals of the empire. Oh yes, he has no management, he has no chain of command. Uh, he's just sort of like detailed to do things. And what he's told to do is with sort of a wave of the hand, keep, as it was then, Persia, now Iran, out of the war, which he decides to do by kidnapping the, um, the general who's sort of like running it as a military dictatorship. And this is the one time you get a flash of sort of irritation with, with British sort of like military bureaucracy. His plan is, I'm going to dress up as a brigadier, go and meet him, pull a gun on him and kidnap him. Um, and, and so okay. he telegraphs this you know back to Simple. Cairo. It's, yeah. it's a simple plan. It's, 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 it's simple, it's audacious, and these things apparently get you quite far. He telegraphs this back to Cairo, and Cairo goes, under no circumstances are you to impersonate a brigadier. We will send you a real one, and you, you can both kidnap him together. Which is what they do. <laughs> look, it's, look, come on. You, you, what do you want to do? Lie? <laughs> It's like, this is the one thing that's sacred, is you, you cannot sort of besmirch the badges of rank of a, of a British army brigadier. That just, you know, even if it's in furtherance of an actual mission to kidnap mm -hmm. the guy that took over from Mohammed Mossadegh, <laughs> we cannot... Look, those brigadiers worked really hard for those extra medals, all right? Yeah, and this is another interesting thing, right, in that the sort of no hard feelingsness of this. They kidnap this guy at gunpoint, he goes with them. The British like keep him imprisoned in, in, in Palestine. Five years after that, he's back in charge. 1953, he's prime minister, as you say. Like, <laughs> none of this sticks. And this is one of the sort of like first examples of the big sort of big theme of the third part of the book, is that like none of your enemies or your allies really ever stay your enemies or your allies. 
everything is sort of fluid. You can't sort of hold any grudges about this with anyone for any reason. Instead, you just sort of have to like take it as it comes. Yeah, which is again, it's um, it's, it's a interesting. mindset that you can only yeah. have if you if you do this for a living. Well, I think it, it's also a mindset that you can only have. I think if you are, you know, because you know what it reminds me of. It reminds mm. me of chivalrous chivalric combat in like the 1100s, sure. right? These are people who ultimately, if their if their lieges weren't enemies, could easily be allies or friends. And you see that you're from you you let's say like like going back to um you know like like Zahedi, right? It's like no, mm. I I too am one of the Earth's like aristocrats. I recognize that you too are one of and, and in a classic sense, one of the good. One of the sure. one of the able, one of one of the better, and so we, our game is different from the games of our lieges, and it's different from the games of the peasants. Our game is is in in the middle and sort of, if not friendly, then at least much more genteel. Yes. Or at least they like to they like to think it is, but that gentility will very easily fall away. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's one of those things where so long as it's it's working so long as it's working smoothly it has that appearance uh i think the like honestly i think if 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 fazlo lazahedi had like resisted him he would have shot him but like he didn't and so he didn't have to and so the whole uh sort of like farce goes on and it, well, it's sort i of guess like, that's the other good chap's rule he wouldn't be a yes, good chap if he resisted that's true you know i've got you i've got you in check i if I, i've got you in checkmate don't make me don't make me knock over the king. Yes, yeah. It's 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 very interesting this kind of like sort of knowing exercise of power. But so having thus sort of like secured Persia more or less single-handedly, he starts looking for his new thing. And his new thing is Yugoslavia. Mm-hmm. And he takes like a couple of weeks to read up on Yugoslavia, where he develops some theories about okay. the history of Yugoslavia. So All right. for McLean. The Yugoslav, right, uh, which comes in a bunch of different varieties, is hot-headed, mustachioed, constantly betraying himself and others, and, you know, basically unreliable but entertaining. Mm-hmm. It's a profoundly racist idea, but he, this is the guy that they want to send as sort of a military ambassador. You know what this is? They, they found the least racist British officer. 